Welcome to Grace Church's podcast. Thank you for joining us. The following episode was recorded live during our Sunday service. Sermon notes can be found online at grace417.com. Good morning. Well, we are about to wrap up our series in Joshua. We have this week and next week, and um, I am I'm really excited about what I've seen the Lord doing through this series. What I've been feedback I've been getting, what I've been hearing about the Lord doing in your life. Just to let you know, it's so encouraging to me as your pastor. All right, we'll turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapters eh, eleven to twenty-two. How about that? So this morning we're going to be doing a survey. So you know, as our as our uh, 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 slide shows, um, we have we've been using kind of a mountain theme. And this morning I'm going to cover uh, seriously. I'm going to cover all those chapters this morning. And if you guys believe in miracles, I'll get it done in 29 minutes. So, but picture this: you can't cover everything. But we're going to just like these mountains. We're going to kind of hit some high points um, in this series because. Uh, in these chapters, because what's been happening is we've been studying this. You know, they moved into the land of Israel. They're beginning to take it. They've been fighting battles, uh, winning battles, losing battles. Uh, we've just been following their journey. And so what we have here is a is the disbursement of the land to the people. And for us, it's kind of like reading a map without pictures, right? If you just take it, it just kind of just skimming it, it seems like it doesn't have very much value but it does. It has a tremendous value because remember, this was the promise that was made to Abraham and to his children, to his children's children. And so this, this is like reading a will that your family has been waiting on to be read for hundreds of years, and you're about to get all of this property and wealth and cows and sheep and, and silver and gold and all kinds of stuff. I mean, that's the kind of, they are ready to go for it. And uh, so that's, they've, they've fought for this land. And, uh, and so this is a very, very exciting time. And as you read through this, uh, there's a, you, if you were to read through it, you might get some different highlights. But these are some ones that really stuck with me. There's about seven of them today. So I'm just going to hit them real briefly. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay on a couple of them quite a bit longer than others. Some of them are just going to hit. Maybe all of them won't be applicable to you. But I think by the end of this morning that at least one of those will speak to you this morning and will make a difference in your life. And so as we talk, to just recap, as we talk about being strong and courageous and moving into the land, that God has for us to remembering there are two parts to this promised land inheritance that, that we see of application in our life. And the very first one, the most important one, is that our promised inheritance is God himself and entering into rest and relationship with him. That following God is not about getting stuff. It's not about getting his blessing. It's about walking in relationship with with Jesus. That's what it's all about. That's, what, that's the big takeaway from the book of Joshua is how do we walk in our relationships with the Lord? How do we serve him wholeheartedly with everything that's within us? How do we be true to his word? How do we abide in his spirit? How do we walk as these people? And, and so that's the first part. And, and just, just an FYI, if you want to download the notes, you want to look at the notes, Grace 417 is the app. Or you can go on the website, Grace Springfield 417. There's a lot of scripture up here today. Uh, best would be a paper Bible up here so you could flip with me. But second best is if you want the app, that'll help you as well. And the second, the second kind of 
context, second thing we're really talking about is, is our promised land is this preferred future that God has for each of us. This, this desire that he has, the, often the desire he's already placed in our heart. But it's even greater than what we've even thought or imagined, according to Ephesians, of what he wants to do in us and through us. The preferred future that God has for us that he wants us to move into. And it's for our children and our children's children. It's not for us to consume on ourselves of what God has, wants to invest in us and trust us with. And it's for our physical kids our, and our physical generations, but it's also for our spiritual kids and our spiritual generations that are following us and those that we're investing our lives in and we're influencing. So I just want to bring this back up so you can remember this so you know what it is that we're going after, that we're not just reading interesting stories in the Bible, that there really is application and purpose to this. You know, one of the big takeaways for me as I've been reading the book of Joshua over and over during this series is that you see by the end of Joshua that the battle truly is the Lord's, that the people of God were not the ones that were victorious because every time you see divine intervention on God's behalf, like chapter 10 that Hannah talked about a few weeks ago, that the enemy was destroyed with hailstones, right? Now, I've been in Israel, in Jerusalem, when it snowed, not when it's been, when there's been hell, but when there's been snow, and it, it snows on everybody when it snows, and, right? And when it hails here, it typically kind of just falls, doesn't it? Isn't it amazing that God can even direct, not only in that story did he direct the sun and the moon, but directed the hell storm, the hell, to hit the the to hit the people it was intended to hit and not hit the people it wasn't intended to hit. That, that God truly is amazing and that the battle truly is his and that when we understand our position in Christ, when we understand that Jesus is already victorious. He's already won. Uh, and he defeated death, hell, and the grave. And that he is risen again. He is a risen Savior. And as we abide in Christ and as Christ abides in us, uh, to Christ in me is the hope of glory, that we too can rest that the Lord has won our battles, that it's not us trying harder and doing better, but it's our understanding to rest in the Lord and be walking in obedience with Him, walking in step with the Spirit of God, and, and trusting in Him that, that He really does have the battle. And like the children of Israel, we're observers and, and, and participants and supporters in the victories that God brings, but they're not our victories. And that the best thing we can do is understand who we are in the Lord, walk in the authority that he's given us, and rest in him and in who he is and and what he wants to do. God's not through with you yet. Chapter 13, verse 1, it says, When Joshua had grown old, the Lord said to him, You're now very old. Imagine the Lord saying that to you. (laughs) He who is eternal is now calling you old. (laughs) You are now very old, and there are still very large areas of land to be taken over. Joshua, you're getting up there, but there's still more to do. Joshua, you may feel it in your bones in the morning. You may feel it when it rains and when it gets cold. But Joshua, I got more for you to do. I believe this is a word for some folks here this morning. The Lord still has more for you to do. And as we think about age, age is relative, right? Right? I mean, tell you think, as I get more and more gray hair, now that I'm a papa, you know, I think about age a little bit more. And you know, one of the things is, is that our culture often discounts age. Have you guys noticed that? Our culture discounts age. Um, 
It does. Our culture is built on consumerism. Our Western American culture is built on consumerism. And so everything's marketed towards the young because that's a longer customer base. And so there tends to be more value placed in younger. And our culture often doesn't honor age like the Bible instructs us to. And the Bible says to rise up before the gray-headed. The Bible says to prefer those that are older than us. And, uh, and so there's very clear scripture about honoring age, the wisdom that comes from life experience. And so for those of us that are younger this morning, man, let's honor age. Let's honor those that have gone before us. Let's rise up before the gray-headed, right? You know, it's a fun thing to do to older people anyway. So <laughs> sit down, young whippersnapper, right? <laughs> but, uh, but, but I mean, all sincerity, but to really honor them and to give place and to give value. And some of the best time that you can spend is with older people, just asking stories, just learning life lessons, because uh, there's a lot of life to be learned that you don't have to find out by all your own mistakes, right? You can find out from other people. And as you get older, you're more willing to share them because you don't want other people to go through what you went through. And so as a younger generation, let's make sure we don't do that. And you know what's interesting? I read this, that so you know when you're going to cross a street and you hit the crosswalk button and you know you hear the beeper and you have a certain amount of time to cross the street? Do you know that our culture is set up in such a way that most elderly people cannot cross the street? in the amount of time that's given. It's not even set up that way. But this is the difference in cultures. But if you live in Singapore and you're a certain age, you can have a smart card. And you wave that smart card in front of the crosswalk and it changes the time and gives you more time to be able to cross the street. And that's just one example of a culture that honors age more than we honor age here. And so, And I think that I think that if you are older or getting older, and I'll let you define that however you want to this morning, but as you define that as getting older, that, that don't listen to the lie of our culture that says you still don't have anything to offer. Don't listen to the lie of our culture just because you move slower, right, or you have less energy, that you don't have as much to add of value. That is a lie, and that's not true. And we see right here in Scripture uh, what, what, he, what he says about this. Um, there's still work for you to do. Do you know that there's like 10,000 baby boomers that retire every day in America? 10,000 every day. Do you know what kind of workforce that is for the Lord's church, for his kingdom, to get stuff done for the Lord? You know, as I look at our missions teams, a lot of times our mission teams are folks that are a little bit older. They have more time. Uh, they may have more uh, disposable income. They have more ability. They have some wisdom and experience. And I'm telling you, when you go to Africa, you go to different places, if you have some gray hair, they listen to you quicker than if you don't. I'm starting to understand this. I'm experiencing this. And, uh, and because age is valued, wisdom is valued. One person said, just about the time your face clears up, your mind begins to go. <laughs> Anybody relate to that one? <laughs> but Paul assured us not to lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Outwardly we may be wasting away, but inwardly, if we continue to walk with the Lord, we begin renewed, renewed, and renewed. The psalmist said this in Psalm 92, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will be full of sap and very green. The Lord's saying, you walk with him, you walk in his house, you walk with the people of God, 
that you can be old and be sappy and still be given lots of fruit. You still have a lot to, lot to offer. Look at this, verse, chapter 14, verse 6 through 14. They're, they're distributing the land, and, and Caleb, remember Caleb from, uh, from Deuteronomy when they're going and they're spying out the land? Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb said this. He said, you know what the Lord said to Moses? And he knows he knows because Joshua's right there, right? They were the two spies that went, and they brought back a good report. And the ten other spies brought back a bad report. They viewed the future differently. They viewed the promises of God differently. They viewed the word of God differently. One with faith, or two, two with faith, Caleb and Joshua, and the other ones, the ten, in unbelief. And so Caleb is coming to Joshua. He goes, you remember, don't you? You remember what Moses said? Everywhere my feet tread belonged to me. Belonged to me. And some scholars believe that these 12 spies went throughout the land and that this place that Caleb is about to get is actually the land that he spied out, I think it was 45 years earlier. 45 years earlier. Spied it out. His heart's been thinking about it. He's been dreaming about this mountain for the last 45 years. I wonder, I wonder if some of you have been dreaming about something for 45 years. That God's put something in your heart. And you're still believing for it. You're still contending for it. That you have that Caleb spirit. And he said, you know what the Lord said to me? I was 40 years old when, Mer- when Moses, the servant of the Lord, said to me at Kadesh Barnea. That's right before they were to cross the Jordan to explore the land. And I brought back him a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. And let me just stop right there. Are you going to be one who will encourage Others, are you going to be one who will cause one's other's hearts to melt in fear? I want to be one who inspires courage. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Caleb's devotion of faith here caused isolation in his life. His standing on the word and the promises of God, of what God had said to be true, caused isolation. It isolated him from, except for Joshua, it isolated him from everybody else. In fact, God waited for all the others to die because of their unbelief they missed out on what God had intended. Sometimes our faith causes isolation. Sometimes when we stand for the promises of God, we believe for the promises of God, it causes isolation. Young people, adults, teenagers, young adults, it can cause isolation when you stand in our culture for the principles of God. That others will leave you. Others will, you'll find yourself alone. Let me just say that's okay. That's all right. Business owners, leaders, you'll make ethical good decisions that sometime will leave you in isolation. You'll be left out of stuff. You'll miss sales. You'll whatever because you're doing the right thing. But let me say, God honors it. Every time, God honors it. And so we here we see the story of Caleb. In verse 9, he says, So on that day Moses swore to me, The land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever. Why? Because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. With all my mind, all my strength, all my soul, everything that was within him, he followed the Lord. He followed him perfectly, probably not. But with everything within him, he followed him. Guys, we can walk away with that. Of following God with everything that is within us. Five times in this account, Caleb speaks of and claims the promises of God. 
that this is what the Lord said, this is what the Lord said, these are the promises of God. And that if we will anchor our hearts and our lives on the word of God and of what his promises say to be true, and we got to get in there and know them to stand on them, right? we got to know, we got to hide his, his word in our heart. But when the storms of life come, when, when life happens, it's that anchor that we have and the promises of God that holds us in the midst of all of that, that what he said is, is true and that, that he is faithful. And he says this. He says, so here I am today, 85 years old, and I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. Don't you love that vigor and that energy? I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me today. He says here, you heard, you yourself heard that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. See again, holding on to the promises of God. I love his vigor. I love his energy. I love his passion. Don't you? I mean, can't you just identify? Can't you just see this 85-year-old man? Let's, let's do it. Let's go for all that God has for us. And, and so how did he have that? Because I want it, right? When I'm 85, I want that. I'm, I'm 45 and I want it now. I want that. And how did he have it? He had it here because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. He was thankful and he had gratitude. That's the first. Second one is, I believe part of it was the challenge of the task. That was some of the highest land. It was some of the biggest giants. It was some of the most fortified cities. And he said, I want the hardest one. I want the biggest hill. I want the biggest challenge. And as we get later in life, are we looking for bigger challenges or are we looking for smaller challenges? I want to be one like Caleb. I want a bigger challenge. I want well, all that you have for me, God. Because you see, when we live in faith, we rise to the level of that challenge. I read a story about a company years and years, decades, decades ago. They sent a shoe salesman to another country. He, he gets off the boat. He, he's in this country. And he realizes that nobody in this country wears shoes. Nobody. Nobody wears shoes. And so he sends a telegram back to the company. He says, bring me back home. There's no market here. Nobody wears shoes. They send another sales guy. He gets there. He walks off the boat. He sends a telegram back, and he goes, nobody here wears shoes. Make all that we can because the sales are unlimited. Nobody's wearing shoes. You see the difference in perspective? A total difference in perspective. I believe the word Lord of the word to some of you guys is you need a new challenge. You need a fresh challenge in your life. You need to ask the Lord to give you something difficult, give you something hard, give you a, a, a project, give you some, something to be working towards, that God will use your years of experience, the good and the bad. He doesn't waste anything, does it? That he's going to use all of it to solve problems and to reach people that are hurting and are broken, that have need what he has placed in you. Do you know Laura Ingalls Wilder? She didn't finish her first novel till she was 65. You know, Colonel Sanders, right, KFC, he actually didn't start franchising KFC till he was 65. Friends, it's not too late. And I think the third reason for Caleb's faith and energy is he says, but the Lord helping me. Trust in the favor of God, that God would really help him. So, verse 13, Joshua blessed Caleb 
and gave him Hebron. And Hebron is a special place in Scripture. It means friend. And it's, it's where Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, it's where they were all buried. And it's such an important place and place in Scripture. And it was his inheritance, and it belonged to him and his kids and his grandkids. And then it says, And he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly, and then the land had rest from war. The land had rest from war. And it's interesting because just what happened is they would take pieces of land and then as they went out from the cities, they still had others to conquer. And we've talked about the, the, the ethical implications of all that in previous weeks, so I, I won't go back over that again today. But it's interesting because the next several chapters from 13 on, the next several really talk about how Caleb helps empower his nephews to be able to do what God's called them to do. And friends, folks that are, that are older, and I'll include you, since I'm a grandpa, I'll include myself with you. Unless we do what God's called us to do, the generations after us can't do what they've been called to do. Part of them entering into their full inheritance spiritually is us entering into our full inheritance. Because our inheritance is then passed on to them. And inheritance is a gift. You can't earn it, but you do have to claim it. You do have to go for it. You do have to receive it. You do have to move into it. And so he then empowers the next generation to do what God had called them to do. And friends, don't discount prayer. Don't discount prayer. Some of the greatest battles you can face, some of the greatest things you can do are actually on your knees in prayer. I love Psalm 71, 18. It says, even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come, to all who are to come. All right, God's not finished with you yet. A couple more things I want to hit this morning. As the Lord says, do it now. Do it now, right? He, Caleb, he comes and he claims it, right? So there's kind of this stop in the story because Caleb claims his land because he had first dibs, really. And then, and then he... Um, and then the, all the other land starts getting distributed. And then in, in chapter 13, verse 6 and 7, it says, I, speaking the Lord myself, will drive them out before the people of Israel. All you have to do is allot this land to Israel as inheritance, as I have instructed you to do. He's talking to Joshua. Do it now. Talking to the people of God. Do it now. Allot this land as an inheritance. Don't waste time. Do it now. Do it now. In verse 18. So now there's five Five chapters that have gone by, okay? Now we're at chapter 18. And he's gathered, he's gathered everybody together in Shiloh. Verse 2, but there's still seven of the 12 Israelite tribes who had not yet received their inheritance. Now, I'll take a little side note here. The Levites were different. They did not have a specific place of land because they were the priests of the temple. They served in the house of the Lord. And so all the other tribes were supposed to take a percentage, a portion, a tithe, and then places for them to, to take care of their sheep and their goats and their cattle. But they were out of their abundance, what God had blessed them. Then they gave that to the house of the Lord so that the, the tribe of Levi could be taken care of. And so even, even as that, that's how our churches are funded today is that is that out of the abundance of what God has blessed us with that we give so that his house is taken care of and that those who serve his house are taken care of. But he says this in verse, in verse 3. He says, so Joshua says to the Israelites, how long will you wait? 
Turn to your neighbor and say, how long are you going to wait? It wasn't very long. Turn to your other neighbor. Say, how long are you going to wait? How long are you going to wait before you begin to take possession of the land the Lord your God has given to you? How long are you going to wait? How long are you going to wait? And so then as we continue in the story, I know I'm going back a chapter to 17, but, but we see a group of the tribes that have a victim mentality. And this is 17, 14 through 18, and I'll just, I'll just, I'll shrink wrap it. They basically, so you have Joshua here who says, I want this land, let's go for it. You have some others that won't do anything. They, they won't move into what God has for them. And then you have, a, you have a, a, um, I think it's Manasseh, half-tribe Manasseh and Ephraim, and, and they're over here saying, you know what? We didn't really get enough land. Like there's a lot of us. There's a lot of us, and we need more land. So Joshua, we need you guys to help us get more land. And Joshua's like, you want more land? Go for it. What if, you, if there's a lot of you, go for it. What are you, what are you waiting on? Go claim your inheritance. Go for it. And do you see the difference? Caleb, once again, is one of those with the spirit of, let's go. Let's do what God has called us to do. And these over here saying, well, we need you to give us something. We need, we need you to make a place for us. It's a different attitude, isn't it? Man, I want to have the attitude. I want to have the heart like Joshua and Caleb. that goes for it, goes for it in the Lord. And finally, just a couple more things. This is a fascinating. If you've not read about the cities of refuge in, in, in the Old Testament, it's really fantastic. It's really interesting. In chapter 20, verses 1 and 2, it describes these cities of refuge. Is there a possession the land God has for him? Then the Lord said to Joshua, tell the Israelites to designate the cities of refuge. Okay, So there were six cities of refuge, two in the north, two in the central, and two in the south that were geographically located. Okay, And this is why they were there. So that anyone who kills a person accidentally and unintentionally, okay, like manslaughter, may flee there and find protection from the avenger of blood. So, anybody here like Westerns, right? Yeah, I like Westerns. So, that's, in my view, that's kind of how I view this time in history, right? Kind of every man's for himself. You take the law in your own hands, and, and there wasn't great ways to appeal. There wasn't great uh, courts of administration. And so, how do you, if you've accidentally done something or done something intentionally, and something happens and somebody's accidentally killed, what do you do? Because somebody's coming to avenge the blood of their, of their husband, of their son, of their, of their daughter. What do you do? And so God set this up so that those that were innocent could go to this place of refuge. You go to this place of refuge. And I'm sure there's people that didn't belong there and they came and there was a, a way to appeal through that process. But if they truly were innocent, they truly went through this due process that there was a place for them to hide in refuge as a refugee. And I think about that, and I think, how important is it? How important is it that every single person has access to the mercy of God as a place of refuge? I think that speaks to us today, that none of us would be too far from the mercy of God. None of us would be too far of having a place to seek refuge and to seek help. And that that's what he wants for those around us is a place for people 
to find forgiveness, to find mercy, to find help, and to find restoration. He's built it in right here. We see that in chapter 20. And then chapter 21, wrapping it up here, as we see this book coming to a close. So the Lord gave Israel all the land he had sworn to their, to the, their ancestors. I don't know why that's a hard word to say. To give to their ancestors. And they took possession of it and settled there. The Lord gave them rest on every side. Just entering into that rest of the Lord. Just as he had sworn to their ancestors, not one of their enemies stood with them withstood them. The Lord gave all their enemies into their hands. Not one of the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Everyone was fulfilled. Every promise was fulfilled. And that's that last song we sang this morning as Stephanie led us in that as she exhorted us to stand in the promises of God. Even when it doesn't seem like they're going to come to pass. To stand on His promises to stand on that. And then the final instructions that we're going to cover this morning in chapter 22. He's talking to those Ephraim and Manasseh. They're going back to the other side of Jordan where they were already given land. He said, and this is like underline this, like circle this. These are words to live by. But be very careful to keep the commandments and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. Keep the word of the Lord. Tend to it. Trust it. Know it. Follow it. Hide it in your heart. Follow his word. I mean, circle these things. Friend. This is life. This is how we have a spirit like Caleb. To love the Lord your God. To love him with your whole heart. To walk in obedience to him. To not just know about the word of God, but to live it. To walk it out. To keep his commands. To hold fast to him. Have you ever had a kid who'll just hold fast to you? Like they won't let go of your leg? Man, may we be that way to Jesus, right? Can we just hold on to him for all that's within us? Walk close to him, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all of our heart and with all of our soul, with everything within us. Let us be that. And then as they go back, he says, and don't forget to share what I've given you with those around you. Don't forget to share. Don't hoard what God has given you to yourself. He's given it to you to be a blessing to others, spiritually, physically, whatever it might be, that we are a, we've been blessed to be a blessing. That we've been blessed to be a blessing and that, and that that's what He has always intended from the very beginning. So you're not too old this morning. God has good, good stuff ahead of you. Ask him what's next. Ask him what he has. Pursue him. Tend to his word. Listen for those whispers, okay? Listen for those whispers. God doesn't speak real loud, typically. To me, he speaks through his word, and he speaks with these little whispers. And just follow those whispers. And just see if you don't enter into all that he has for you. Would you bow your heads with me this morning as I close this time of message and prayer? If you're here this morning, and as I've shared this, you could specifically identify with Caleb. And you could say, Lord, 
I want to I go for that promise that you've put in my heart. I want to know the promises even more. And I'm, I, I want that Caleb attitude. I want that, let's take this mountain for the Lord, this hard one. Let's go for it. If that's you this morning, would you, just you and the Lord, would you just slip your hand up? I want to pray for you right where you're at. Just say, I want to take that, Lord. Yeah. It's right where you are. Just slip your hands up. You're saying, Lord, I want to be that Caleb. I want to be that Caleb. Lord, for those that are acknowledging this to you, Lord, that are saying, Lord, I believe you have more for me to do. Lord, you have, and, and ultimately it's to know you, Lord, more, but then to do what you've called me to do. Lord, I pray for a fresh anointing on their life. Lord, I pray for fresh unction. Lord, I pray for fresh revelation. Lord, I pray, Lord, you would, um, Lord, that there, that these last days, whether they're two decades or three decades or a couple of years, Lord, whatever it might be, Lord, would be the best, best years. Lord, that the best days are not behind, but they're still ahead. Lord, they take a step out for you, Lord. Lord, you'd meet them right where they are. And Lord, as they face giants, Lord, as they face difficulty and obstacles, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you're greater. And Lord, you've already given us victory. And Lord, I pray for financial supply. Lord, I pray, Lord, for divine financial supply. Lord, for those that are giving themselves to you, Lord, that are not pursuing money, that are not pursuing, pursuing things of this world. But Lord, those that want to pursue, Lord, what you would have to advance your kingdom. Lord, I pray for divine release of resources this morning, Lord. Lord, that there would be more than enough for all that you've called them to do, Lord. And that fear, fear would not hold them back. Fear would not hold them back. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name. If you want to know that prayer, say amen. Amen. We trust that this teaching made a difference in your life. If you would like more information on giving your life to Jesus, visit us on the web at grace417.com. Thank you for joining us, and we pray you have a blessed day.